0: The following is a sermon podcast from White Ridge Baptist Church. What does this mean? Like, what does the freedom mean? What is true freedom? God, please be with us today as we look in your word. Explain to believers here in this room. Explain to people who aren't Christian what freedom is and the gift that you so freely give. Lord, give us this time. May we worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm sure there might have been cultural examples you thought of, or maybe you answered it. Maybe you're thinking um, cultural freedom. So from country to country, we have many countries represented in this room, even today. What does freedom look like from culture to culture? What is, is it instantaneous or is it a process? Is it age-specific? Is it relative? Is it objective or subjective? Freedom can... Kind of explain a lot of different things that maybe you've never actually answered that question for in your life. Now, as we take it, we're looking at Paul, and he's talking to us right now, and he goes, this is your Christian freedom. And so maybe here's some things that can contextualize it for us. Um, a wise old man in our staff meeting once said, and he was going off, and he goes, for a believer, freedom is knowing that you have God's power to resist temptation and sin. So thank you, Doug, for that. The book of Galatians is the charter of Christian freedom. Freedom from the law and the power of sin and freedom to serve our living Lord. Galatians was written, therefore, to refute the Judaizers and to call believers back to the pure gospel. Faith in Christ means true freedom. The law served as a guide to point our need to be forgiven. There's no way they are saved by following the law. So, Christian freedom, that's the... That's the topic we have in verse, or chapter 5. And the first 12 verses, talking about legalism, talking about what, why are you being called, why are you trying to follow this rule when you, you're here? This is what God has given you. This is what Christ has done for you. I was in Assiniboine Park the other day. There's a nice bench on there, nice trees. I felt very, well, anyways, I won't say it, but I felt very at peace as I'm sitting on the bench, um, I'm reflecting on what's happening, I'm praying, and this gopher comes out of the hole. This prairie dog, right? Comes out of the hole, and sooner or later, two, or, two more, or three more guys just keep popping out of the hole. And for some crazy reason, I, I just was, I, I truly believe God sent me this, because I'm asking this question myself, how do I explain, how do I try to explain freedom to somebody? And this plump little, tanned little dog, you know, feeding on grass and insects and all this, he does. He's alert, but he's just he's just cruising around. And I said, "Man, you better watch out. There's birds flying around. Like you better, you know, hurry up, get back to your hole." Uh, he lives out of the ground. He eats bugs and grass. I mean, he's, they've been doing this since the. If I throw that prairie dog into an eagle's cage at the zoo, right across the, right across the street, is he free? He's doing the same amount of things, but what do we know? What do we see? You're not really there to just live. You're kind of there to, you know, uh, to be a feeder. See, it's not, it's not, we would say, it's not free. Let him out. Get him out. Let him, let him live. Let him, give him a chance at least. And this is the picture that I, sorry, my youth pastor, whatever. Uh, You know, this is the mind I'm seeing where God says, Christians, you are free. Get out of there. You need to accept this idea of freedom that you have. Don't be constrained. Don't be the limits you have. Get out. And so that there, I mean, there's still dangers out here, but there's so much more I have for you. You're not just looked at this. So as as sinners, as slaves to sin, we are contained in this world that there there is no joy, there is no peace. It's up to us to try to defend off ourselves. So in Galatians uh, chapter five, verse thirteen, again they're coming from in verse one. Actually, if you turn to your Bibles in verse one, for freedom Christ has set us free. And firm therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Terry talked about that last week, and how that freedom there we're picking up now in verse thirteen. But with through the first twelve verses, they've been talking about legalism. But now there's going to be a flip here. Um, They Paul is trying to urge with the Christians, you're no longer slaves to sin and no longer have to work to fulfill the law because the part that you can never accomplish, Christ has done that for you. So now live in this freedom now. So let's pick up in verse 13 what I I read before. For you were called to freedom, brothers. I think this is very important. Maybe one of the most important uh, words in that part is called. Christian, you are called. You are called to freedom. When someone receives the gift from God and now puts their faith in Jesus Christ, their risen Savior, they become a believer, so we know that part. But the next step is they are called. So Christian, right now, if you're in this room, you've been told. You are called. You are called to live in this way. It's not calling the select few, the couple that were like, oh, those are the best ones. If you are a Christian, you are called. It is every believer's uh, point, position to take. So when I call my kids, there's a purpose when I call my kids over. We've had some time to discuss that with my kids in different ways. of saying when daddy calls, you need to listen. You need to come, you need to, or whatever the, the, the purpose is, but there's purpose behind a call. So put your, make sure your mindset is that you are called Christian. God calls the heart in a person that accepts his free gift of salvation so that they might live in pursuit of knowing him more. Second part of that, of course, is the word freedom, and we've already talked about that. But um, Freedom is that idea now that you are set free from sin, and now you can approach God. You have this relationship with him. You have this fear, this love that grows inside of you, this respect that you can be in the presence of God now. I'm set free. Yeah, this is much better being out here, much better being out here. Thank you, God, for this. So that freedom, that Christian freedom, is now we're in relationship with God. And and, uh, this is where we need to live. This is where we need to invest. This is where we need to make sure we stay. And we do that through what Christ has done. So the second part of this, now the next part in the verse, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So now we have this battle that now Paul's laying out for the Christian. Legalism in the first 12 verses. But now there's this only do not use your freedom for an opportunity for the flesh. This is a license to the freedom that I have in Christ. This is talking about a license. This is talking about um, almost the opposite of someone that's staying far away from rules and saying, well, you know what? What makes me happy, that's what I'm going to do. Christ loves me. God loves me. I love everybody, and I'm going to accept everything. And I'm gonna so there's a license, right? There's a license of a mentality there. So only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. David Platt writes, Christian freedom is not a freedom to sin, but a freedom from sin. Do not live to gratify the desires of the flesh. That is an abuse of freedom and a misunderstanding of freedom. Don't, don't just abuse grace just because hey, I know God's forgiven me. He's gonna, I'm going to be alright with this. There's a, there's a license that a Christian can fall into. A person can fall into when, when trying to follow God. It's a tug of war battle. Think of the relationships this affects. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is some of these relationships affects people, everyone in this room. It's We must recognize the severity and re- repercussions of either side. So legalism versus license. So a parent to a child, a child to a parent. Coworker to coworker. Individual to a group. Family relative to family relatives. How about grandparent to grandchild? Spouse to spouse. So it's one, one person saying legalism one person saying license that's that's not going to intersect at all that's not going to intersect and in in fact there should be never be an intersection it should be somewhere where a christian is focusing on god himself there's a there's a fact that in the temple the jewish temple um, there's certain rules to follow and god laid them out clearly and it was—it's pretty exact when you read in the Old Testament, and we talk about the Holy of Holies. We talk about how important every single detail was, and that's fine. That, God laid that out, but the legalist will add more rules to it, and because they feel more successful, because I can't just do it like that person, that I got to do more. You know, I got—I feel like I got to do more. That's the legalist answer. The license answer goes, well. Let's just sell this meat for money. And not, you know what? I'll, I'll make a couple more dollars. I'm going to sell more than this guy because I know they got to come and they got to sacrifice. they got to do these things. So that's, there's, a, there's a picture there where that people will live in and people will, will actually justify their actions, whether the legalist or the licensed. And I, I took some time Took some time to think about what are some of these areas with these relationships that I just talked about, what are some of these areas where this really puts a divide in our pursuit of living in Christian freedom? There's been a lot of things that I've that have been part of my life that I've had to walk through with another person or a group. So anger, ignorance, abuse. Brokenness through the years, so generations back, now it's just brokenness, and now the people are dealing with that. Consumption, stewardship, apathy. How about children out of wedlock? How about sexual desires, heterosexual or homosexual? It's, it's topics that create a lot of friction, that create a lot of questions, questions, very a lot of questions that aren't answered. And the, we're looking to our to each other to find that and that we have to agree with each other, whether we come from the legalist or the licensed camps, but that's the whole point that God's trying to say that the freedom, you're you're not put into free you're not called into freedom to just do this there. You could just do that over here. You're you're called to focus on God. You're you're called not to not to figure that out. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm with you. Righteousness of Jesus Christ. Our job is to walk in genuine relationship with those who are hurting, lost, seeking out wisdom, seeking to know God more, seeking out friendly and caring community, faith, etc. We are to focus on loving God, which turns into loving each other, whether, whatever our answer is for those, some of those topics. Some of those debatable issues. How is a Christian to respond to this? Well, first and foremost, focus on loving God. Verse 14. Read that. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I see as, so verse 13, the believer is called. Verse 14, it shows that the believer is committed. There's a commitment here that we're called into. Every day, all day. Committed to loving others through Christ, transforming work. John Stott talks about how now a Christian that's living in that license of freedom, that, that ability to kind of justify whatever I do, whatever I say, who I agree with, what I want. You know, what? that's the right, that's happiness. John Stott talks about, it. he does not say as some of the new moralists are saying, that if we love one another, we can safely break the law in the entrance of love but that if we love one another, we shall fulfill the law, because the whole law is summed up in this one command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Francis Chan writes in the book, Letters to the Church, our commitment to the kingdom must take precedence over culture. We are too accustomed to allowing sin invade the church. So legalists, don't, don't get, you know, uh, don't get, now I'm going to put more rules out there. No, no. Uh, or license, well, let's just accept everything. We are just too accustomed to allowing this happen. Whether we split or we stay to fight it out, it's we are too accustomed to letting this invade the church. Problem, whatever you want, get it. You have the right to leave any person, any relationship. If it doesn't make you happy anymore, get out of Dodge. What matters most is that you love who you are. I hear that a lot I hear that a lot that's that's really sad because I understand I understand where it's coming from I do and I, God wants you to love the person but truly ultimately do you love God more than anybody else do you love your neighbor as yourself Our Christian freedom from the law certainly does not mean that we are free to disregard or disobey the law. Don't let compassion and the effort to be sensitive to others make us lose sight of truth and true love. Chan also writes, what some do in the name of being open-minded and compassionate is actually done out of self-love and cowardice. True compassion takes into account what he or she will feel on Judgment Day. That's not not to give ammo to either side, to the licensee. It's not to give ammo. It's to really put it that way. Where do you feel, where do you care for this person? When you look at eternity, what's worth right now? What's worth it right now? To make sure they know that rule? Or make sure, hey, we gotta accept that. It's a true view of eternity when we can see that we love each other. We love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus loved so deeply that he was willing and committed to suffer a lifetime of rejection, even rejection from his Father on the cross. It was all done knowing what the future eternity holds for people who accept and follow their Savior in their lives. Love how he put that. Jesus was willing to be there, and that's a call on the Christian's life. He calls us into that type of relationships. And I'm sorry, I can't, I can't stand here and say that nothing's going to go wrong. Everything's going to change, be transformed. I know people in this room and, you know, family relatives and all that. It's, there is pain in that, knowing that you are committing to this and sticking with genuine relationship with these people. Turn to your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And uh, at youth group, I always, well and interact, I love to talk about issues and topics from the Bible, but a thing that keeps coming to me is like, let's look, at a relationship. let's look at an interaction with Jesus and see if this can make it more sense. Let's see the relationships with Jesus. And so in John chapter 4, I'll just quickly kind of sum up where we're at. It's, it's a story about a Samaritan woman. And so Jesus is walking, and he's, he's uh, hiking a different, He's going a different way. Uh, to a town, but he stops in the town of Sychar in the region of Samaria. They have rules and given freedom to each group of people. They are to speak this way, work this way, love this way, and worship this way. And a lot of that was to make sure that their people didn't mingle with Jewish people, with Israelites. Woman at the well asked Jesus three questions, which leads to transforming change in her life. Jesus answers the questions of physical nature with a spiritual conclusion. And so he talks about how this living water that I give, you will never thirst again. And so she kind of, she, she leans into that. She goes, what, well, what are you talking about? There's, there's the physical, she keeps asking these questions about the physical nature, but Jesus is there is really telling her, this is your soul, I care about you, I care about your soul. You need to drink this living water, and you'll never thirst again. So we, uh, I won't read all the verses, but um, he, Jesus knows she is and, who she is and what she desperately needs. But the book of John, so this is kind of a picture of the book of John, reveals the nature of Christ, is that he is present with people and has an abundance of what they need. He gives directly to the need and fills it. I want to look at verse 16 to 20, though. I think this is, this is ultimately... Let me. Yeah, the problem is with legalism and license or whatever it is, is that it creates this barrier where we really worship God. That is truly our call in life, is that we worship God, we love God. There's this barrier that it's got to be done this way, it's got to look this way, I got to feel this way, I got to do that. There's this genuine worship that we're called into, and we get it mixed up. We get it confused with a lot of things. We have to do this, we have to accept that, we have to love this, we have to, you know, we can't be mean we can't be bad, we can't be this and that. And some of those things are good to keep to channel that, but ultimately you've got to see the goal is that Christians can do better when we're worshiping God. And this interaction, these verses right here just stood out to me. When this one, I've read this, I've read this story so many times, but go he, so in verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive, perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. It's crazy. I, I, I think this woman is maybe the most real disciple of Jesus Christ in that moment right there. She is so genuine in her response. She's not hiding anything. She's not, she's not giving excuses. She's not adding on, hey, I did this and this and this and this and this. She straight out just said to this stranger sitting on a well, you have something that I do need. I am, I am a sinner. I have been doing this way too long. There's a genuine response that she she goes to him and says, yeah, I don't have one. Uh, I've heard girls can do this sometimes when a stranger comes up to them and starts talking to them. As a man, they say, well, I got a boyfriend. I got a, I got a husband. You know, go away. You know, those kind of things, right? There, there's Girls have done that. I, I've seen buddies do it, so, you know, that, uh, that happened to them. But, you know, it's, it's a response that's, what's the, what's the secure response? What's the safe response to get rid of them? She did not want to get rid of Jesus. She did not want to make an excuse to get out of there. Because when she's hit with that truth, when she's hit with that purpose in her life, this is the most real, uh, is, it was one of the most real examples to me that I see that she just lays it out and says, yeah, I am messed up. <laughs> I am messed up. I, I don't mean to understand what this living water is, but I need this. She responds right away. She doesn't cloud all the rules that she's been, she, the verses before that she goes, hey, what are you doing? You're a Jewish guy. I, I can't, you're not supposed to be talking. She has this mindset of these rules that she has to follow, these this things that she has to accept. But right there, when conviction happens, she makes that choice. And she, be, she is a real uh, response to that. I think that's profound in how we do it. And in verse 24, Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So to be, have that genuine worship, to have that genuine truth, you have to give that to God and say, yeah, this is me. I'm giving it to you. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. Verse 15. Uh, So let's go back to Galatians. In verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out, that you are not consumed by one another. So this freedom—how is freedom achieved, and how is freedom used? There are many different ways. So you look at the different generations: millennial, the Gen Xers, the Gen Zs, the baby boomers, grandparents to grandchildren. Before internet, after internet, parents to children. Right? There's a lot of those those conversations between the two. I myself am on the very beginning of the millennial era, and I just—I don't. It's not that I reject tradition, I just always ask why. I just want to ask why. Why do we do this, right? And so millennials have been known for that, but that's fine. You know, there's a generation then that kind of gets the stereotype of, of what they do and what they ask. But when we're looking at uh, verse 15, it calls the believer to be loving, to be caring. The believer is to be caring. Let's look at some of the church cultural issues surrounding community. It's the f- spiritual and physical debates. So skeptics, atheism. There's little things like stand for the flag. That is a huge cultural uh, talk about, right, like talking about right now. And the anthem, take your hat off in the in the buildings when you come into it. Uh, man pursues woman. Participation of everyone. Bubble wrap versus non-bubble wrap world. Uh, man and woman leadership, modesty, community versus isolation. Social programs, globalisms, and yes, zombies. If you don't understand that, you got to come work youth ministry, because that is a heated debate, okay? What's going to happen with zombies? Environmental changes, investments, scientific studies versus uh, tradition, tradition versus new discoveries, drums versus no drums, liberal versus conservative, human rights, right to love, right to marry, right to divorce, right to leave, hospitality, uh, feel welcome, racism, comfort versus risk, prosperity, work ethic, and it just goes on and on. Those are things that I've seen in the church. Those are things that you've seen in the church. These are the things that divide us, and if we're trying to answer every single one and have that right answer and get us all answering that same one, don't you see this work, this needless work when you look at eternity? It just You're stuck in this mire. You're stuck in this bottomless pit that you can't get there. You can, we can never get to. We can never have a conclusion, because first, we are not looking to God, we are not loving God, we're not in that genuine relationship saying, God, you need to humble us, you need to humble me. I want to accept everything, I want to, I want to say everything, I want everything, everybody to be happy and fun and, and joyful, but this is why God is just, uh, Paul. Paul's writing, just saying, this is what you have to do, focus on this, you, got, you want a law here, verse 14, love your neighbors yourself. Try that for a whole life. You can't even keep that one for two days straight. (laughs) What makes you think that you can figure out all these other problems? How many would say that these are some of the things that take bites out of community and ultimately leads to devouring anything good, anything that is substantial to make up the church community? Have you ever watched what piranhas do to their meal? Yikes. It is biting, but ripping, tearing, tearing. And then there's a whole bunch of ones, just a mangled mess after a while. That's when I read first 13, I don't know why. I thought of Piranhas. That bite and devour, the, the bite and and that's that's a terrible picture to think of. Church culture or church, whatever. And I know it's not every church, it's just there can be some evil things and terrible things that can happen to people. And it turns up um, where the community ultimately splits off, breaks off. Biggest thing, don't be consumed by one another. Don't let the license of your freedom overtake the call to love one another. That is your focus 24-7. We are judged on those two laws, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Imagine the difference now that every time you are in a place with your church community and those two laws are what you think about. Those are the only two rules when you step in. Is that what you think about? Instead of, wow, hmm, Look at oh oh they did they did bad this week. Oh wow, oh yeah. Uh, oh, that's what they look like. Oh, that's what they're doing. Mm, sure. Okay, oh that's what they said. Oh. Can you, imagine, you see the difference? The mentality when you step in thinking, okay, God, how am I gonna love you more? How can I be more open? How can I be genuine with that? How can I be more genuine with my neighbor? If you are loving a person as you would take care of yourself, no matter the mess that is showing, you desire for them to care. Kindness, and they need to get out of the rut. Do you give up? Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. What a beautiful picture of the best example that a Christian can ever have is Christ and what he did. He was relentless in pursuing and caring for others and loving others. He wants that for us. He wants that for you, Christian. That you come to, and you have that endurance to keep staying it, it, through that tough time, through that tough trial. You stay there as God calls you. The endurance to, to finish that race, and I want to come back to um, I want to come back to that uh, picture of this woman, who I didn't read the verses, but there was a physical nature she had, and she was bringing well. So this is the best I could have, but she brought a jug. And I love that we're going to do communion in just a moment. Because this is what I think of communion. Communion is great because you think about the Last Supper. That's especially what it happens. But I think about literally the word of communion. Is that we have a, a relationship with God. And today, verse 28, John chapter 4, verse 28. The woman, verse 28 says, left her jar by the well to go get others. She left that physical nature that was being her stumbling block in that conversation, she left it there and she said, I want to accept this, I want this to be a part of this. Communion is about that veil being torn and now a Christian can approach God. You have communion with the Almighty God. Today, take that time. We're gonna do some worship time. We've got uh, time just to offer to Christians here. But if you're not a Christian and you haven't, if if you're someone who has never stepped in that relationship and approached God with the veil being torn, you can do that today. And you can. This could be your first communion today. This picture. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for this opportunity that we get to approach you. We get to be in this relationship as communion, as we think about what has been done for us. God, you are awesome. You are amazing. And we need to approach that with the idea that you are calling us into this. You are calling it into this relationship, this genuine time with you. Because that's what you desire, God i'm sorry that we cloud it i'm sorry that our license of freedom it, it's, it takes us other places where we don't know about we let stumbling blocks be in the way of that today god may we be real with you today thank you lord all hail king jesus all hail the lord all hail King Jesus. All hail the Savior of the world. Take a moment to dwell on the impossibility of the cross. God the Son came from heaven to a corrupt, broken world to die, so that He would defeat death by His resurrection, showing the blind world that through him there is the way to the Father. There is a relationship restored with the Almighty Creator. The blind can now see, their pressed have been set free, lame can walk, and newness of life. So Jesus took the bread, and he took the cup he said this is a picture of my broken body my blood poured out for you the picture of blood is victory for us victory for you christian it brings life take this and eat do this in remembrance of me it's our custom here in this church family that whenever we celebrate the lord's supper that we take a special offering and that offering is used to meet Uh, needs when people have crisis, uh, either in our church family or around us. So we're going to take that offering now, but we're going to continue on uh, and spend our last minutes together in a time of, of corporate worship with song. Uh, let's respond to everything that we've heard. Let's respond to the word of God that we have we've heard this morning. Let's respond to our reflection on the sacrifice of Christ. Let's respond to it. In worship, as brothers and sisters, uh, with the same Father, so let's uh, let's begin that offering now.